This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. You know, I had a couple of nice notes recently from two guys who are both aficionados of Theater of the Mind. I've mentioned Keith Kloster a few times in his most recent note. He mentions, many of the shows are repeats for me, as I've told you before, but I have an extensive library, but many warrant a second pass for sure. And he goes on to say, following your show, Frank, I I put an MP3 disc into the player, hook up the headphones, and drift off to sleep enjoying Fibber the Hornet, Lone Ranger, Gene Roy, the Sons of the Pioneers, and many more. Before you know it, well, it's morning already. Thanks for that, Keith, and for the fact that you've been promoting the show, too. And then there's Bill Shepard from Thetford, Vermont, who writes, Some ten years ago, I just happened to stumble onto 7.40 a.m. in Toronto on my Sony Walkman. Several years ago, with my advanced technology, I was able to live-stream your show, Theatre of the Mind. So, it finally came in clear and regularly. I do have some favorites, and I seem to air on Western genre and suspense. Marshall Dillon on Gunsmoke, The Lone Ranger, Hopalong Cassidy, Roy Rogers, well, the list goes on. I also enjoy anything Vincent Price is on. And he follows with a question I don't have an answer to. Did Spencer Tracy ever appear on radio? Hmm, going to have to look into that, Bill. But he does mention that he likes my discovery of Bogey and Bacall on the series Bold Venture, Fishing Guides Out of Cuba. And he says, uh, you can tell I'm not really into comedy, but they're so well done. Well, Bill, even though I'm not going to start tonight with a Western, I'll save that for another time. I do have one of your favorites from the comedy side of things, Eve Arden as Our Miss Brooks. And thanks to those two fellows for the very nice words. And I'm thinking of Thetford, Vermont. I'm wondering right about now, wouldn't that start to look beautiful with the changing fall colors? Or, or Bill, am I, am I mistaken? If you can, send me along a photograph of your area. I'd love to take a look at that. Now, it's time for Our Miss Brooks. It's the Martin and Lewis Show. Broadcasting Company brings you transcribed from Hollywood, the Martin Lewis Show. Our guest tonight, Burt Lancaster, featuring Flo McMichael, Sheldon Leonard, Ben Alexander, Dick Stabile and his orchestra, and starring Dean Martin. When they begin the beginning, it brings back a night of tropical splendor. As we look in on Dean and Jerry's apartment, we find them wading through the first of the month bills, trying to figure out how to pay them off. Jerry, I don't mind telling you, I'm worried. We've got so many bills to pay, it'll take all the money we got saved up in the bank. Don't worry, Dean. I've heard about people putting a little away in a sugar bowl each week, and that's what I've been doing. Well, Jerry, that's great. How much you got saved? 283 lumps. <laughs> Ah, oh, come on, Jerry, this is serious. Just look at this meal we got. Bills, 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 bills. All we got are bills. All right, we got bills, but don't forget, Bill's probably getting ours. <laughs> Bill's probably getting ours. <laughs> Bill's probably getting ours. Oh, I hate myself. <laughs> now, look, Jerry, never mind about the bills. The bills, bills, a bill. Let's worry about the bills that are billed to us. 
All right, and I'll try Peter Piper picked a pack of pickled peppers. But, Jerry, just look at all these bills. Grocer, butcher, landlord, gardener. Gardener? Now, wait a minute. We live in an apartment. We don't have a gardener. Oh, that bill is okay, Dean. What do you mean it's okay? It's a bill for pruning, cutting, mowing, and trimming ragged edges. Seven dollars. I'm sorry, Dean. I thought it would be cheaper than going to a barber. <laughs> Jerry, you don't seem to realize that we haven't even got enough money to pay the rent. We could be evicted. We just have to make some extra money somewhere. Hey, you say you want to make some extra money? Well, I'm just the guy who can fix you up. Ah, uh, Sophie, now wait a minute. You're our next-door neighbor. Have you been standing with your ear pressed up against the wall? I never press my ear against your walls. Why should I when I got that nice, neat hole drilled in the baseboard? Oh, that's wonderful. I suppose you tried the view through our keyhole. I have never looked through your keyhole. It's against my principles. You fellas got a Yale lock, and as you can see, I'm a Harvard man. <laughs> now, look, Sophie, I wish you'd stop listening to our private conversation. Well, pal, I can help you. You know, you boys need money, and I know where you can pick up a couple of hundred bucks just like that. Well, I don't know. Your schemes always sound phony to me. Phony, he says. Why, there's nothing phony about this. There's a friend of mine who just brought a circus into town. A circus? Mm-hmm. I love to go to the circus. Boy, those circuses, and, and they have peanuts and pink lemonade. Oh, those circuses, they have hot dogs, soda pop, and Cokes, and hamburgers, and cotton candy, molasses, apples, more hot dogs, more peanuts, more cotton candy, and, and Dean... What? Burp me. <laughs> Ah, Jerry, we couldn't work for a circus. We don't know anything about it. Sure we could, Dean. There's lots of things we could do. Maybe I could be the master of ceremonies. Hey, how about it, Sophie? Mm, uh, no. What do you suggest? Uh, let me see you wiggle your hips. Ah, <laughs> oh, don't be silly, Sophie. Jerry couldn't be a hoochie-coochie dancer. Wait a minute, Dean Martin. I'll have you know my hoochie is just as coochie as anyone. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what, I, um... Just so happens I have a slight acquaintance with a little troop of lifters, and uh, maybe I could get you a job there. Lifters? Yeah. Oh, boy, that's for me. <laughs> Just a second, kid. Take it easy. People's wallets ain't gonna be that heavy. <laughs> wallets? Now, wait a minute, Sophie. Are you suggesting that I become a pop figure? A... <laughs> Hey, uh, kid, have, uh, have you ever tried Peter Piper picked a pack of pickled peoples? <laughs> well, look, boys, you think it over, and if you decide you want to come along with me and wait for the psychos, strictly on the up and up, you understand, I will be waiting for you downstairs. Well, I don't know about this. We'll, we'll do it, Sophie. You, you leave Dean to me. Okay, I'll see you at the psychos. Jerry, did you tell Sophie we'd take him up on his offer? Sure, Dean. Gee whiz, we need the money. You said so yourself. I know. Well, can you suggest any other way we can make some money that quick? No. Okay, then. Gee, Dean, the circus really appeals to me. I love anything that's full of crazy people. Circus is full of crazy people? Sure. Didn't you ever hear of acrobats? (laughs) (laughs) Don't don't, don't you get it, Dean? No, I don't get it. Well, I'll explain it to you. The acros are bats. It seems like a joke. Acro is for the acrobats, but the bats, the end of the word part, is like crazy. People say nuts, bats, all those. And it's crazy. It's like a big joke. And everybody laughs at a joke like this. And I wish I was dead. (laughs) I'm so blue. Sing to me. Sing to me. I'll be down to get you in a taxi, honey. Well, you better be ready around a half past eight. Baby, don't you be late. I want to be there when the band starts, honey. Just remember when we get there, honey. Two steps, one, a half of them all. Dance of both of my shoes. When they play the jelly roll blues. Come out at night at the dark time, strut it I'll be down, down to get you in. Taxi, honey, well, the baby, ready around a half past eight. Now, baby, well, don't you be late. I want to be there when the band starts, honey. Well, just remember when we get there, honey. Two steps, one, I have them all. Dance off both of my shoes. Well, when they play the tally rope blues, 
tomorrow night at the dark town studders bar. Well, good, but the fact remains, Jay, we still need money to pay our bills. I guess we'll have to go down to the circus and see what Soapy can do for us. I knew you'd see it my way. You're a real pal, Dean. Come in. Who is it? It's me. <laughs> oh, it's Florence, our secretary. Hiya, Florence. Hello. Florence, guess what? Maybe Dean and I will go to work for a circus. Oh, really? Oh, Mr. Martin, you'll be wonderful in a circus. I can just see you standing there in a leopard skin with hundreds of women admiring your wonderful physique. What about me? What do you think I could do, Florence? Da 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 da. <laughs> you too, huh, Florence? Say, maybe I could be the dancer. I'm lovely. I'm engaged. I use Chiron tablets. <laughs> You really like the circus, huh, Florence? Oh, yeah. That's where I met my dream man, Charlie. Charlie. He used to hang by his teeth from a trapeze 300 feet in the air. And in 15 years, Charlie's teeth never let go. Really? No. Of course, Charlie fell four times. became a barker for a flea circus. Oh, that's nothing. I used to know a barker who was a flea circus. <laughs> barker who was a flea circus. <laughs> Dean. What? Scratch me. <laughs> Be glad to. What race you running in? make some money at the circus. We better get on over there. Okay, Dean. So long, Florence. See you later. Goodbye. Bye. Gee, isn't it fun back here behind these tents with all the circus people? Yeah. that ping-pong game. And isn't it wonderful how they're playing without paddles? Those are you bangies. They can do a lot of things with those lips. <laughs> hey, Dean, let, let's walk around. All right. Hey, Dean, look. The rubber man. Gee, look how he can stretch. Hey, kids, you having fun looking around? Sure, Sophie. We were just going over to look at the rubber man. Oh, yeah, the rubber man. Yeah, a personal friend of mine, you know, Jim Fisk. Fifty thousand miles without a retread. Come around after the show and introduce you to his family. Wife and four little white sidewalls. Well, Soapy, we're here. Now, remember, you said we could make some uh, extra money here at the circus. Yeah, yeah, I know. Relax, will you? I'm going to show you a surefire way to make money at the circus. Really? How? I am going to put you in a ticket boot, see? And I will teach you how to make change the Soapy Leonard way. <laughs> yes, sir, you will make a fortune. Honest? Bless his stupid little heart. <laughs> Why, of course it's honest. Now, now, look, I'll show you how. Say, for instance, a guy comes up to the window, see? He gives you a $10 bill for two tickets. Now, what you say is you say, two tickets, that is $2, here is your change. Three, four, five. See? And then the ruby says, hey, wait a minute. He says, I gave you a $10 bill. And you say, was only five. Now beat it, bud. You're holding up the line. Gee, that sounds easy. Can I try it? Yeah, sure you can. Step behind the ticket booth. Uh, uh, here comes a customer. Go ahead, kid. Uh, I want two tickets. Here's a dollar. The tickets are $2, and here's your change. Three, four, and five. <laughs> 
Hey, wait a minute. I only give you a one dollar bill. It was a five. Now beat it, bud. You're holding up the line. <laughs> Yeah, you're a shifty one, all right. Between the ears, fluid drive. You'll have to find something else for you boys to do. Well, let me see. Uh, how about the baseball game? Baseball game? Yeah, the baseball game. All that needs is a guy with a good voice and then another guy with a good head on his shoulders. Well, that does. Dean's got a good voice. <laughs> well, you know me. Yeah. As I was saying, the guy with the voice, he stands out front saying he gives with the spiel. Uh-huh. And, and, and what about me, the, the guy with the head on his shoulders? You go around and back. You put your head through a little hole on the canvas, and the customers throw baseballs at it. Well, what do you say? Bye. Well, I gotta go. Uh, I gotta go now. I'm halfway through a game of tic-tac-toe on a tattooed lady's back. Uh, good luck to you boys later. Barry, better get behind the canvas. Here comes a beautiful girl. Maybe I can help her, you know, maybe sort of get her to play the game. Well, hurry, hurry, hurry. Step right up and play the baseball game. Hello, there. Hello, baby. <laughs> Step right up. Three balls for a quarter, and you can take home any one of these big, beautiful Cupid dolls. Well, what do I have to do to take home that cute schmoo doll over there? You gotta marry me. <laughs> oh, quiet, Jerry. Okay, here's my quarter. Hold it, Dean. I'll make the change. Here you are, lady. Twenty-five, fifty, <laughs> one dollar, two, three, four, and five. But I only gave you a quarter. Beat it, kid. You're holding up the line. <laughs> oh, come on, Jerry. She'll never be able to hit you. Now go on, put your head through the hole. Okay, miss. Here's the three balls. Now the idea of the game is to hit Jerry right on the top of the head. <laughs> All right, I'll try. <laughs> Jerry, you're supposed to duck Okay, I'll duck this time <laughs> Jerry, all right, say something Sure Who the pie to peek the peek of vocal Oh, here, miss. Here's your doll. Come on, Jerry. This job isn't for us. You said it. Let's get out of here. Boy, am I glad we quit that game. It was awful. All those baseballs coming out at me. Do I look all right? Sure. Why is that fellow over there staring at my head? I'm just trying to figure out which lump has the Tony. Why, it's Bert Lancaster! Hello, Dean. Well, say, Mr. Lancaster, do you know my partner? No, I don't believe we've met. Well, shake hands with Jerry Lewis. Okay, Jerry, put it there. <laughs> Wait a minute, Mr. Lancaster. You, I gave you four fingers and a thumb. Where's my chain? Beat it, kid. You're holding up the line. You know, Mr. Lancaster, we're, we're great fans of yours. Yeah, gee, you were wonderful in the killers, brute force, kissed the blood off my hands. <laughs> well, I'm glad you liked them, Jerry. But I've given up those pictures where I play a brute. It's too tough a racket. Every time I do a picture, I have to beat up four or five thugs. Yeah, but you always got the beautiful girl. That's what I say. It's too tough a racket. <laughs> Mr. Lancaster. Yes? Are you for real? <laughs> but, uh, Bert, what are you doing here at the circus? Well, the owner's letting me do my old trapeze act for a couple of days to brush up on my acrobatic routines. Brush up? You mean you were with a circus before? Well, sure. Before I became an actor, I was with the Cole Brothers Circus for many years. Yeah, I have heard about that. Of course, I had an acrobatic act. Well, I used to hold up 16 men on my shoulders. And for an encore, I'd lift one foot off the floor. Gosh, what a act. Sure was. Only one night I got hammy, I lifted both feet off the floor. <laughs> uh, but tell me, what are you fellas doing here? Oh, a friend of ours told us to come down and work in the circus, and maybe we could pick up some extra cash. That's an idea, Dean. Maybe Mr. Lancaster would help me in his act. Well, uh, I don't know, Jerry. I don't think you've got the physique to be an acrobat. Oh, yeah? Wait till I double up my arm. Now, look at that muscle. Pretty good, huh? Well, it's perfect. Who did it for you? Max Factor? <laughs> Who are you kidding? Why, I got muscles all over me. Look at these shoulders. Those are shoulders? <laughs> You're that show, 
sorry. I thought you were wearing your Adam's apple sideways. <laughs> now, you listen to me, Mr. Lancaster. I may not look like much, but if I ever hit you, boy, you better watch out because I'll fall right apart. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry, I was only kidding. I didn't mean anything. Except you aren't just built to be an acrobat. But if you fellas are looking for a circus job, I'll find you something. Come on. Well, what have you got in mind? Well, you see this tent? That's the circus office, and the owner's in there working. Now, you've got a good voice, Dean, so you sing something, and maybe he'll hire you. That'll be swell for Dean. And hey, you know what I can do. Watch this. Sorry, Jerry. I'm afraid your hoochie isn't coochie enough. <laughs> what are you going to sing, Dean? I don't see me in your eyes anymore. Fine. Let's hear it. Mm-hmm. Make them shine as before I don't see you For your heart and your kiss When you should sigh That your mind you But where's Bert Lancaster? Oh, we'll see him pretty soon. He had to go put on his costume for the trapeze act he's going to do. But come on with me, Dean, because I just made the smartest deal so we can pick up a little money. You made a smart deal? Sure. The spiritualist, Professor Zombie, has gone to dinner, and he wants us to watch his booth here. Now, wait a minute. What are you wrapping that towel around my head for? Well, you can be the professor, and I'll get under this table and be the voice from the beyond. Well, that ought to be easy for you. You've been out of this world for years. <laughs> Okay, Jerry, now get under the table. Here comes somebody. Okay, Dean. I'm under the table. Oh, good afternoon, Professor Zombie. I'm so glad I found you in. I want to speak to my dear departed loved one. Your husband? Well, all right, if you can't get my dear departed loved one. She'll call the spirits, madam. The price will be $5. All I have is $2. All right, I'll take that. <laughs> the first thing I Quiet, want to Quiet, do... madam. I'm going into my trance. I will try to make contact with the spirits. Spirit, oh, spirit, if you hear me, knock on the table. Spirit, oh, spirit, if you hear me, knock. Spirit, why don't you knock? I ain't got gin yet. <laughs> We'll make sure it's your husband, madam. What was his name? Francois. 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 Is that you, Francois? Oui, oui. Oh, la, la. Coca-Cola. <laughs> well, that's strange. My husband's full name was Francois Schulzenheimer. <laughs> that's even stranger. He was educated at Oxford. Ach, <laughs> 
leave a boy joke. Zip, zip, and tally out. What did he say? I don't know, madam. I didn't quite catch it. There must be something wrong. Oh, spirit of Francois and the great beyond, what is the matter? It's getting pretty hot down here. Oh. That's where he went. Thank you, Francois. Thank you, Swami. You've made me so happy. Bye. Bye. <laughs> hey, Dean, Jerry. What do you want, Bert? Never mind the spiritualist booth. Come on with me, both of you. I got a good job for you. You have a fine. Oh, boy. Anything will be better than sitting under that table and being a voice on the beyond. Or that awful job I had before, getting hit in the head with those baseballs. Well, here's your chance to get a good job. Make some real money. It's almost time for the Lion Act, and the Lion Tamer has disappeared. Lion Tamer has disappeared? Any clues? Well, only one. The Lion just asked for a toothpick. (laughs) Oh, and my job is to get him the toothpick, huh? No, your job is to go in and tame him. Here you are, get your baseballs, reach for the water. Jerry, do you mean to say you'd be afraid to go into that cage with a lion? Yeah, he's liable to think I'm the toothpick. <laughs> Jerry, you're making a big thing out of nothing. Now look, here's his cage. Just look at him. Just a decrepit, broken down, old, old lion. Why, why if you yell boo at him, he'd faint with fright. Really? Uh, boo! <laughs> He must have his hearing aid turned off. <laughs> now, listen. I'm not going into that lion's cage. Jerry, surely you're not afraid of that lion. Oh, yes, I am. Surely you're not a coward. Oh, yes, I am. Now, wait a minute, Dean. Jerry, surely you're not going into that lion's cage. Oh, yes, I am. Okay. <laughs> I ought to open my big I am. Now, look. Look, look, Mr. Lion. Dean, I'm scared. What do I do, Dean? Just hold that chair out in front of you, Jerry. Okay. I don't think he wants to sit down. <laughs> hey, Bert, this is getting serious. I think you'd better get him out of there. Yeah, okay. Slip through here fast, Jerry. Is the door closed? Yeah. With the bar down? Yes. With the lock on? Yeah. What did you guys drag me out of there for? <laughs> oh, Jerry, you were scared to death. And now, ladies and gentlemen, over the center ring, we present one of the most daring, spectacular, death-defying acts of all times. Mr. Burt Lancaster performing 100 feet above the ground. Are you ready to go up, Mr. Lancaster? I'm ready, Mr. Ringmaster. But first, I'll need a volunteer to assist me on the high trapeze. Jerry, Bert's done a lot for us. You're going to volunteer, aren't you? Oh, no, I'm not. Oh, Jerry, you're going to help an old pal, aren't you? Oh, no, I'm not. Wait a minute, Dean. Jerry, you're going to refuse to go up on the high trapeze with me, aren't you? Oh, no, I'm not. Okay, fine. You're the volunteer. (laughs) He did it to me again. I was saying I didn't want to go up on the high trapeze, but he talked so fast, and the crowd was all looking, and I got all mixed up, and... Dean. What? I made a boo-boo. <laughs> oh, come on, Jerry. All you gotta do is put your foot in this loop of rope, and they'll haul us right up to the top of the tent. And there they go, ladies and gentlemen. Up and up and up. Higher and higher. And now they're on the platform a hundred feet above the ground. They say we're a hundred feet above the ground? That's right. Oh, why did I ever leave that nice, comfortable lion's cage? Oh, there's nothing to this trick, Jerry. We're on separate trapezes, hanging by our knees. Now, when I give the signal, we swing out at the same time, and I catch it. You got it? Got it. Okay, here we go. Okay, Jerry, let's go. Jerry, you fell all the way down from the trapeze. Are you all right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Dean, I, I guess so. How is he? Is Jerry hurt, Dean? He says he's all right. Yeah, I'm okay, Bert, but... 
What, what, what went wrong? You, you didn't catch me. I can't understand it, Jerry. Well, I haven't done the act in a long while, and maybe, I, maybe my timing was a little off. Maybe I should have given the signal a little, a little later. Maybe I should have put my hands up a little sooner. Or maybe I... Well, let's face it, Jerry. Why? I made a boo-boo. <laughs> Didn't I promise that you'd make a couple of hundred bucks if you came to the Sankas? Well, here you are. Here's 100, 200. Soapy, $200? What for? The owner said that fall you took is the greatest act he has ever seen. Gee, Jerry, you did it. $200 will pay all our bills. Uh-huh. And furthermore, the owner made me a very attractive proposition. He said that he would give you another 200 bucks to take the same fall every night. You mean I can get $200 for dropping on my head? Yep, yep, that's right. Hey, hey, where are you going, kid? I'm going to call my mother. She owes me a fortune. <laughs> Thank you, Bert Lancaster. Good night, folks. See you next week. Bye. The Martin Lewis Show, transcribed in Hollywood, is produced by Robert L. Redd and written by Dick McKnight and Ray Allen with Cy Rose and Mort Lockman. Burt Lancaster is starring in the Hal Wallace production, Rope of Sand. That's a Paramount picture. This is Ben Alexander, suggesting you tune in to your NBC station each Tuesday evening at the same hour for the Martin and Lewis Show. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Stay tuned for Suspense, next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 at 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Time now for Suspense. Yes, Roma wines taste better because only Roma selects from the world's greatest wine reserves for your pleasure. And now, Roma Wines, R-O-M-A. Roma Wines present Suspense. Tonight, Roma Wines bring you Mark Stevens in Tree of Life. A suspense play produced, edited, and directed for Roma Wines by William Spear. Suspense, radio's outstanding theater of thrills, is presented for your enjoyment by Roma Wines. That's R-O-M-A. Roma Wines. Those better-tasting California wines enjoyed by more Americans than any other wine. For friendly entertaining, for delightful dining. Yes, right now, a glassful would be very pleasant as Roma Wines bring you Mark Stevens in a remarkable tale of... Suspense! Everything went wrong. From the very beginning, everything that possibly could went wrong. Because, you see, I'd already planned... planned for quite a while to kill my wife. first thing was the doors, and that's funny, too, because that was the thing that had impressed me the most about the new place, the doors. The house was a double bungalow, twin apartments, really, white stucco with two doors in the front center. The doors were exactly alike, made of modern yellow wood studded with nails. The nails spread out in a tree of life pattern. Tree of life. I can still see Helen standing with her slim, elegant figure silhouetted against the door, and her hair blending with its warm color and her blue eyes burning with that strange, acquisitive fire I had once mistaken for passion. Isn't it a beautiful door, Jimmy? I really think I'm clever to have found it, don't you? You know, it's definitely the smartest place we've ever had. Well, don't just stand there, darling. Come on, come on. You'll possibly love the inside. You see? See, Jimmy, the entrance hall and the living room can be thrown into one. Jimmy, we can have some stunning parties. Bedrooms to the back? Uh Uh-huh. Three rooms, small dressing room, two baths. Of course, we'll have to buy some new furniture to go with the house. Most of our old pieces simply won't belong. Awfully dark back here. Oh, nonsense, darling. It's just cloudy today. Besides, you'll love it when you want to sleep late on Sunday. That's why I'm giving you the center room. I'm taking the front one with the dressing room. The corner room with the three windows? Oh, well, that'll be the guest room. Mom and the girls will be coming in every so often, you know. Then you want to bring home some of your business associates? I never have. Oh, but don't you see? Now you can. Huh? Jimmy Dawson, I'm not going to let you be an old stick in the mud anymore. We're going to have a wonderful winter, darling. There, there, there's a young couple in the other part. The name is Roxborough. I think that's what the agent said. Anyway, I saw her from a distance. She seemed to be a perfectly stunning brunette, just our sort. I imagine four of us will do lots of things together. 
Oh, darling, admit it. The house is priceless, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, of course, Helen, but isn't there a small room somewhere where I might uh, do some... Painting? Well, yes. We've discussed this before. It's not healthy for you to bring your work home with you. Besides, it's much too lovely a house to mess up. Oh, I, I don't mean advertising layouts, Helen. I, I want to try some real work, well, creative work. I've told you what I think about it, Jimmy. I want to make your home your castle, darling. I want it to be a place for you to relax away from work. Well, we, we must concentrate now on gracious living. Of course, it's, it's your home, if you feel you must. No. No, no, Helen, skip it. Of course, darling. From now on, it's gracious living. Remember? Sure. Gracious living. <laughs> I'd already begun to make some plans for Helen, for killing Helen, that is, when we moved into the new house two weeks later. I rode the interurban to work that day and left the car with Helen. She said she needed it to move some of our smaller, more breakable treasures. I offered to stay and help her with the moving, but Helen said I'd be in the way. I ate dinner in town and rode the interurban back, walked the seven blocks to my new home. I hated it more with each step I took. When I got there, the shades were down. The lights were out on both sides meant Helen was out again. I stood outside for a while, not wanting to go in. Finally, I started up the steps, but the doors made me pause. I suddenly realized I didn't know which was my door. I felt like a fool. Suppose I were to go barging in on the Roxboroughs, or whatever the name was, certainly they'd, they'd think I was a fool. All I could do was choose one of the doors. I was just fumbling at the lock with my key, and when the door opened from the inside, I... I couldn't see the man who opened it very well, but I, I could see the gun he held in his hand. It was the biggest gun I've ever seen in my life. Come in. Why, I... Come in. After he closed the door, the man with the gun switched on the lights. Hey, what... And I saw the other one. He was big with a lot of black hair and an angry face. He had a gun, too. Kept fooling with it, spinning the cylinder... He was standing in front of the couch trying to hide something. Something lying there covered with an overcoat. But I knew what it was. I saw the hand trailing down on the floor. A woman's hand. And just who are you? I... You heard him? Who are you? Hey, is that my wife? So you're Roxborough, huh? You're supposed to be halfway to Chicago by now. Roxborough? Well, well. Cute, ain't he? Curly hair and everything. Real cute. Look, I I made a mistake. You see that... What do you know about that? He thinks he made a mistake, Rico. What kind of mistake you think you made, Curly? What, what kind of a mistake? You fix this thing all up with our boss the day, the time, the alibi, the works, and then you walk in right in the middle of it. <laughs> you made a mistake, all right, Curly. The biggest mistake you ever made in your life. Maybe the last, too, huh, Rico? Maybe the last. Who knows? <laughs> For a minute, they both just stood and looked at me. Oh, I'd made a mistake, all right. Here I'd gone and stumbled in on a job being done by a couple of hired killers. The job of killing his wife for Roxborough, my neighbor Roxborough. And they thought I was Roxborough. Even that wasn't the worst. As long as they thought I was Roxborough, though, I might be able to make a deal. But if they ever found out I wasn't Roxborough, the end of the line, I had to be Roxborough. Any last words, Curly? Now, wait a minute. Honest, I... I made a mistake. You said that. We don't like those kind of mistakes in uh, our business. You can see how that would be, can't you? But listen, if it wasn't a mistake, why else would I come home right when... when... Oh, you can say it. It don't matter now. Right when we're knocking off your wife. Huh, Curly? I bet you I know. I bet she likes to play hero, huh, Rico? Hero? Sure. You come home, you find burglars. That's us. And we just knocked off your wife, so you knock us off. You're a hero. Get it? You ought to be in Hollywood, bud, where they pay for that stuff. Well, you better tell Curly that I ain't making it up. Because a poor guy tried that on us once, Curly. The poor guy. But I couldn't have meant anything like that. I don't even have a gun. I ain't even got a jackknife. Listen, we can make some kind of a deal. There's a rod in the desk. Maybe you figured on using that. Huh, Curly? Hey, wait a minute, Rico. Wait a minute. Curly here said something about a deal. I don't like deals. The boss don't like deals. I like the other way. It's cleaner all around. Turn around, Curly. No, wait a minute. Relax, relax. I just want to frisk you this time. He started going over my pockets, and that was all right. Until he came to my wallet and took it. My wallet. 
Driver's license, social security card, every identification under the sun to prove I wasn't Roxborough, but James Dawson. If he ever looked inside, it was finished. I had to do something to distract his attention. I had to do it right then. Hey, where are you going? Oh, I... I just, just wanted to look. At her? Yeah. Maybe Curly thinks we don't know our jobs, huh, Max? Go ahead. Take a look. Take a good look. Might be somebody you know. I walked over to the couch. I lifted the coat off her face. I looked. And I put the coat back again. I felt sick. I hadn't needed more than that one look to know she was dead. And I knew something else. I knew that my chances of getting out of this alive had just gone down about 90%. Well... Satisfied? He looks kind of sick, Max. Maybe he's a sensitive type. You know, these sensitive guys are funny. They don't mind having it done. Oh, no, that don't worry him a bit. But the guy that does it because he needs a few bucks, he's just a big ape. A guy with no feelings. Ain't that right, Curly? I'm not complaining. He's not complaining. Well, that's something anyway. Huh, Max, he's not complaining. Oh, that's but... good. But uh, a minute ago, he was talking about a deal. I like that better. We got yeah, work I... to do. We can talk about deals later. And I still say no deal. Maybe we ought to ask Curly. Uh, you want us to finish the job up right, don't you, Curly? Oh, but... sure. Ask Curly. Finish the job? Sure. Collect the ice. He don't know what that means. Do you, Curly? The jewelry, the silverware, the stuff that makes it look like burglars. Remember? Oh. Oh, yeah. Where do you keep it? Why, uh, her, her bedroom, I guess. You guess? Oh, these sensitive guys are great guesses, but you'd better have guessed right, Curly. Come on inside. All right, now, where is it? I, uh, I, I think the, the dressing table. Take a look, Rico. Yeah. Well, well, looky here. He guessed it right on the nose. Oh, Curly, sharp, sharp he is. And there's some real pretty ice here, too. I bet this was her engagement ring, huh, Curly? You got the stuff, you don't have to talk about it. Oh, you got the wrong attitude, Curly. You knew this was part of the deal. We'd get part of our cut out of this stuff. Hey, eh? I'll tell you what I did with that sapphire, Max. What sapphire? The Allison job, the place you got the garnets. Oh, yeah, yeah. I had it made into a pin for my kid. I gave it to her for graduation. She was crazy about it. Your kid? Sure, I got a couple of swell kids, boy and a girl. Smart, too. Maybe that's the trouble with these sensitive guys, huh, Rico? No kids. I wanted... Four. She didn't, huh? Well, that's the way it goes sometimes. I bet she'd have figured it a little different if she'd have known how it was going to turn out for her. Uncle Lee? Yeah. Yeah, maybe she would. All right, now listen. We got work to do the rest of the house. Now, uh, about that deal. Never mind that deal. What are we going to do with him while we're working? Well, leave him in here. You wouldn't try to holler or anything like that, would you, Curly? Oh, no. No, I won't. There, you see, I told you. He's sharp, sharp. He's uh, going to think over the deal while we're gone. I tell you, I don't like it. How do you know? You haven't heard it. Oh. Now, listen, Curly. There's two ways. The first is Rico's way, quick and clean. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. The other way, you pay us five grand. But I haven't got $5,000. With a setup like this, with the business you got, you can raise it and you're better, too. I still like my way better. You see what I mean, Curly? Think it over. Come on, Rico. Well, maybe I'd better stay here and watch him. If you watch him, who's going to watch me? I see what you mean. And uh, don't try nothing funny, Curly. Because I still like my way better. I like my way better. He knew he wasn't kidding, so did I. They'd already killed once tonight. There was already one dead body in that house. There could be just as easy be another. There could be me. Suspense, Roma Wines are bringing you Mark Stevens in Tree of Life. Roma Wines' presentation tonight in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. And now, Roma Wines bring back to our Hollywood soundstage Mark Stevens in Tree of Life, a tale well calculated to keep you in Suspense. I sat waiting, locked in the bedroom by a couple of hired killers while I ransacked the house for loot. All because I'd just moved into a two-family house with two front doors that had that tree of life design on each one, exactly alike. 
Oh, because these gunmen thought I was my neighbor, Roxborough, who had hired them to kill his wife. Well, they'd done their best, all right. There was the dead body on the couch in the front room right now. That was why I had to make a deal somehow. A dead body. And more than that, if I did manage to put it over, I had to have money to get away. Because I knew I had to go away, far away for a long time. They had my wallet. There was just the off chance there might be some in the room here somewhere. She must have had money. I started going over the room with a fine tooth comb. The closet, inside of shoes, hat boxes, under the mattress, any place and every place that a woman might be liable to hide money. In the bottom bureau drawer, I found a leather pocketbook. It had two affectionate notes from some guy named Steve, and that was all. I gave up. I went back to sit down in front of the dressing table again. I knocked something on the floor. It was a powder box, one of those musical things that keeps playing some gimmick tune over and over until they run down. There was powder in little heaps spilled on the floor. There was something else. Buried in all that powder is what I'd been looking for. A roll of bills. Nearly $400. I just had about time to put the stuff in my pocket when I, when I heard the two gunmen galloping down the hall. Hold it, Rico. Huh? All right, what's the idea? I, I, just a little nervous, I guess. I, I knocked that thing on the floor, see? Well, put it back together again. Sure, sure. What do you know? He's nervous. What are you nervous about, Curly? My wife's got one of them things, too. Made me get it for her last Christmas. Did it make you nervous like Curly? Curly ain't nervous about that. You got a way to get that five grand, Curly? I, I, I can't, get, can't get the cash right away. Well, uh, maybe we could take a note. I'll recall. Huh? Oh, oh yeah, note. Sure, maybe we could. Come on, Curly. You're going to come out here and write us a nice little note. All right. Now, sit down there at the desk. Make yourself real comfortable. Maybe you better tell him how the note should go. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I should. Now, Curly, uh, all you got to do is write us a nice little note telling, uh, telling how you killed your wife. How I killed my wife? He don't think he did kill his wife. Maybe he thinks we did. But, but if, if I did that, you, you could blackmail me. You could keep blackmailing me. Now, you to... see, I told you he was sharp. <laughs> You know, this thing has got to be said right, so uh, one can believe it. Right, Curly? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Now, um, you're going to sit right down there and write uh, how you and your wife was always getting in your hair, you know? You was always having fights, and finally, uh, well, you had a real big one tonight, and you hit her over the head with a bottle. Only you hit her a little too hard, see? Is that how she... You don't think we use these things unless we have to, do you? Too noisy. Now, we don't want to cause you no trouble, understand, Curly? We just want to be sure you do raise that five grand, see? Yeah, I, I see, but... Well, if it came to a showdown, how would, how would you explain the note? Very sharp, very sharp. You see what I mean, Rico? Curly wants to know, if we turn him in, how do we tell the cops we got the note? Easy. We make a deal with a guy who's got to take a rap for burglary anyway. Says he burgled this place, too, and found the note. We bought it from him. Get it? I get it. Then start writing. For a minute, I sat there thinking. I wasn't too worried about the handwriting. The chances that Roxborough had been fool enough to write anything in his own hand that these mugs had ever seen was pretty slim. And it couldn't do me any harm, writing a confession in another man's name. So I began to write. And I stopped thinking about Roxborough and his wife. Began thinking about Helen in five wasted years. The opportunities missed, the friends lost time gone down the drain, all because of Helen and what she thought was gracious living. Gracious living. When I got through it, it was a pretty good note. Let me see it. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> it almost sounds like you meant it, Curly. I did. Okay. Sign it. Huh? I said sign it. Sign it? I couldn't sign it. I didn't know Roxborough's first name. They'd know that. The one thing they'd be sure to know, I could have cried. To get this far freedom almost in sight and then to have it end this way, I just sat there holding the pen. What's the matter? Cold feet? I... Yeah, yeah, maybe. Come on, sign it. Well, I... I'm not K. Roxborough, like that little pointed note you sent the boss. The full name. Not K. Roxborough, the, the full name. What's the K for, Curly? Kenneth? No. No, it's... 
Kendall. Is that all? No, that's not all. Oh, no, the, the, the $5,000. That's the idea. That's my shop boy, the five grand. Well, I, 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 I don't know why I can lay my hands on, on that much cash tonight. Well, uh, cash was sort of what we had in mind, Curly. I could write you checks. No checks. Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I think he's got something there. Yeah, he could date it ahead. He could say he gave it to his wife for a mink coat or something, and it was stolen by them nasty burglars. You uh, could think up something, couldn't you, Curly? You better. Why can't we get the cash from him tomorrow? Because Curly's got to be in Chicago tonight for sure. If the cops nab him for this job, what good is that little note he just wrote us, huh? Oh, yeah. Okay, Curly, write a check. Sure. Sure. To, uh, cash. Yeah. Five. Five thousand. Kendall. Roxborough. Okay. Now we're going to do you a favor, Curly. We're going to take you down and put you on that next train to Chicago. How do we know we won't take a pounder and never come back? And leave this nice business of his? Oh, Curly wouldn't do that, would you, Curly? No. No, of course not. Okay, then let's go. I don't like sticking around here with that. Ah, she can't hurt you. She can't hurt nobody. Even Curly, if he's smart. They run around wiping off fingerprints. Even mine. Oh, they were very good about that. And they snapped off the lights. Opened the door. Snapped that behind them, too. Honey, are you sure this is the Dawson's new place? No, you said you were. I heard their voices first. And I saw them. Lillian and Harvey Reynolds. I tried to step back. Out of the streetlight. But the two gunmen pushed me forward. I just kept my head down and prayed. <laughs> What's the matter, Lil? I bumped into someone. Come on, let's go home. I want to know who I bumped into. You know, it's awfully dark, but he looks like Jimmy. Hey, you Jimmy? No. See, Lil, come on, let's go home. I think he's Jimmy. Who are your friends, Jimmy? They're not Jimmy. They're not my friends. Must be relatives. <laughs> Don't you think so, Harvey? Must be relatives. Oh, come on, Lil, let's go home. Sounds like Jimmy. If you're not Jimmy, where is Jimmy? I don't know. Oh. Well, I'm going to find Jimmy. Uh, I beg your pardon, madam. I think I know where he is. What? Where is he? Where's Jimmy? You're, uh, you're just a little mixed up. Now, if you go five blocks up the street, then four blocks over, it's the big yellow house on the corner. Come on, Harvey. I told you we'd find Helen and Jimmy. Come on, Lil. I want to go home. <laughs> I sure feel sorry for Jimmy if she finds him. So do I. <laughs> We drove down the station, found that the next train for Chicago was in about 45 minutes. One of them went in with me while I got my ticket. Then we just stood out there in the darkness on the platform and waited. When the train finally pulled in, they walked me down to my car and stood there with me in the vestibule until the train was ready to pull out. Take it easy now, Curly. And about that check, yeah. It better be good. Yeah, because if it ain't, we'll be waiting for you when you come back. What did I care where they'd be? I was free. I was going to Chicago, all right. But from there, I was going to catch a train to Detroit. From there, I was going to cross the Canadian border. I was never coming back because I'd made it. I was free, free. I got in Chicago, all right. I got a train to Detroit last night. I was walking through the observation car, not paying much attention to anything except look for a seat, when somebody slapped me on the shoulder. Well, 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 if it isn't Dawson. Huh? Oh, yes, maybe you don't know me, Mr. Dawson. I know you, at least by sight. I'm your next-door neighbor, Kent Roxborough. Kent Roxborough? Mm-hmm. Well, well, small world these days, isn't it? I suppose uh, you're out this way on business like me, eh? I stayed over in Chicago last night. Got a good room for a change, too. Then I thought I uh, might just as well clear up a couple little things out in Detroit. Listen, Roxborough, I got to talk to you. Of course, old man. Come on, let's find a seat. No, 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 not here. What's the matter, old boy? Trouble? Listen, I ran into those men last night by mistake. Th those men you sent to, to, to see your wife. What? 
What in the world are you talking about? I never sent Shorty, any... Shorty, it's all right. I, I, I understand why you did it. I was thinking of doing the same thing myself, but I walked in on it by mistake. That they, they told me all about it. They, they thought I was you. Let's you and me take a little stroll out onto the observation platform for this night. Yeah, yeah, sure. Now, what's all this, Dawson? I tell you, it was a mistake. The doors, they're exactly alike. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. I walked in. They thought I was you. They, they, they'd already done it. They thought I'd come back to double crossings. So they made me sign a confession that I'd done it in your name. Confession? Oh, it's all right. It's in my handwriting, not yours. I even got your first name wrong. I had to write them a check, too. Five thousand dollars. You say they... They've done it. You know that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I saw her. So I'm going away. Canada. I'm never coming back. Yeah. Hey, you're going away all right, Dawson. No. No, don't shoot. There, there's something else. They didn't... Oh. Oh. They, they didn't... They found me beside the tracks this morning. They say I may live until tonight, maybe even a little longer. I guess I can't blame him. The cops picked him up. He'll get his. So will those two hired killers. I guess he thought he had to do it once he knew that I knew. I guess I can't blame anyone but myself. I guess it's what you call retribution. Because I'd planned to kill my wife. I'd have done it, too, I guess. What he didn't give me time to tell him was that it wasn't me that got the wrong door. It was the gunman. It wasn't me that got into his house. It, it was the gunman that got into mine. It wasn't his wife they killed. It was mine. Gracious living, Helen had always talked about it. Now gracious dying. I guess that's what you'd call it. Retribution. Suspense. Presented by Roma Wines, R-O-M-A. Roma, America's favorite wines. And now this is Ken Niles making a curtain call with the star of tonight's suspense play, Mark Stevens. Mark, I'm sure that Mr. Webster gave the world the word suspense just to describe a dramatic performance such as you've given us here tonight. Oh, thank you very much, Ken. It was a wonderful part. I've noticed that you make it a custom here on Suspense to provide your guests with the most wonderfully dramatic roles. And there's another suspense custom I'm sure you'll enjoy. Each week, we present our star with a gift basket of Roma wines. This is yours, Mark, with the compliments of Roma, America's greatest vintner. Oh, and a pleasant custom it is, too. Well, pleasantest of all is the enjoyment you share with friends when you serve the delicious Roma California port in your basket. For Roma port adds warmth to any welcome. Roma port is the favorite of millions for evening entertaining. And Roma Port is so easy to serve. All you do is pour and hospitality reigns. Oh, it sounds like Roma Port is a host's best friend. Indeed it is, Mark. And Roma Port tastes so good. In fact, all Roma wines are famous for better taste. And here's the reason. Roma vintners, with ancient skill and America's finest winemaking resources, guide the rich treasure of choicest grapes to tempting taste perfection. Then, at peak taste richness... Roma selects from the world's greatest reserves of fine wines for your pleasure. No wonder more Americans enjoy Roma than any other wine. Well, the popularity of Roma wines speaks for itself, Ken. And thank you very much, and good night. Tonight's suspense play was written by J. Douglas Ware. Mark Stevens will soon be seen in the 20th Century Fox Technicolor production, I Wonder Who's Kissing Her Now. Next Thursday, same time, you will hear Mr. Dan Durier as star of Suspense. Produced and directed by William Spear for the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thank you very much for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Fred Allen, followed by Dragnet. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. 
Have a great evening. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.